this week's parsha is Parshas Mishpatim. In Parakhaf Bey's Pasakhaf Dawid, the parsha describes the mitzvah of lending money to an ani and the isser of charging the ani ribis. The Pasuk says in Kesef Talbes Ami, when you lend money to my nation, Esha Ani Imach, the poor person with you. And then the Pasuk continues to describe how you should not treat him unfairly, how you should not charge him uh, interest. Rashi says in the words, Esha Ani Imach, he quotes the Tanchuma, means that you are supposed to put yourself in the shoes, as it were, of the Ani. is the Torah telling us to be sympathetic when we see an Ani and trying to relate somewhat with the plight of the Ani and not being cold-hearted and being and acting in a way to the honey that's callous and removed. And it's something that we have to think about because there is many, many aniyim out there and many times we are approached in a, in a shul by aniyim, in yeshiva by aniyim, by a chasna, in Eretz Yisrael, wherever you go, the Kaisel and many, many other places that you walk in the streets, there are many beggars and many poor people. And somehow if you see too many of them and you're overly exposed to Aniyim, you begin to develop a very thick shell and you distance them from you and you begin to look at them as if they are somewhat different, and people that we don't need to be sympathetic towards. But if you would actually imagine for a minute what their life must be like, assuming, of course, that these are honest aniyim. I'm not talking about another problematic issue that some aniyim are not really aniyim, they're ashirim. But I'm talking about people, let's say, that we know for a fact that they are bona fide aniyim. Think about what their plight is. Think about how difficult it is for them to put food on the table, to look at the eyes of their children who are hungry and who go to bed at night lacking people who don't know how they're going to pay for their next meal, that the landlord might be threatening them to be evicted from the apartment or from their home unless they come up with the necessary rent money. These are concepts that are hopefully foreign to us, but they are very real Taniyim. And it's something that they live with on a day-to-day basis and their entire life is colored by their Aniyas. And so the Torah is telling us that if you really want to be Mekayim the Mitzvah of Tzedakah and Chesed properly, it's really almost impossible to do a good job of giving to Aniyim Belevu B'Nefesh unless you fulfill this Tanchuma that Rashi quotes of Esau Ima that you have to imagine for yourself 
that you are poor and you have to put yourself in their shoes. What would I do if Rachmaninoff I didn't have any money and I needed to come on to others? What would I do? Where would I go? To whom would I turn? And then when you realize that Baruch Hashem, you had money and that there are people in that unfortunate situation that are turning towards you for help, you have to then be able to be very generous, understanding full well the matzav that this Ani is in. There's a story that's told about the Chassam Seifer. The Chassam Seifer once wanted to raise money for a certain needy cause. There was a many people in his city in Preshburg, in Hungary, who were very poor and they needed firewood in the winter. In the old days they didn't have gas and, and electricity and so they basically, they had furnaces and they needed firewood. And firewood cost money. And so he went to collect money around town for the Anim in town who needed to heat their homes. And he went to one very wealthy person who happened to be a miser. He was a Kamsin. And the Chassam Seifer knew that it would be very difficult for him to open up his checkbook and to open up his heart and to give to this worthy cause. So he knocked on the door of this, of this, of this usher and it was, it was in the middle of the winter. It was a day like today, frigid, cold out. And the Balabayas came to the door in like a, a very thin house robe. And he sees the Chassam Seifer standing outside his door. And he says, Rebbe, come in, come in. There's a warm fireplace, you know, in my living room. We'll talk. So the Chassam Seifer says, no, 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 it's okay. Let's, let's, let's stand outside a little bit. He says, no, no, please, let's go in. And Chassam Seifer just like ignores him and starts talking about, you know, his family and about the weather and about, you know, different things, like random things in the... This usher, this Kavir, is, is like shivering. He's like, his teeth are chattering, and his, his whole body is convulsing. He's so cold. And it's five minutes, and it's ten minutes, and the Hasim Seifer doesn't want to go into the house. And only after like 15 minutes of talking outside, and the, you know, and the usher is Kamat frostbitten, does finally the Hasim Seifer agree to go into the living room and talk? And... The Gevir asks the Chassam Sefer, what can I do for you? Why did you come to my home? I'm sure you didn't come just to schmooze about politics and the weather. And the Chassam Sefer says that I'm here to collect money for the people in town that are cold and frigid at night in their homes and their children are suffering and please be generous. And sure enough, he opens up his wallet and he gives him a very, very generous nidava. And the Chassam Seifer says, you're probably wondering why I kept you outside so long. And the reason is because you sitting in your warm home, if I would have come in and asked you for an adobo, you would not have given me anywhere near the amount that you just gave me. He says, but now that you could relate a little bit to what's going on in other people's homes, you realize how cold it is. You realize how exposed to the elements a person could be. And now you can imagine the Aniyim in town, what they're living with right now as we speak in their bedrooms, says now you could give generously. And this is how we have to go about when we're dealing with Aniyim, we have to deal with them as our Aniyimach. We have to sometimes, as uncomfortable as it may be, but to think about for a minute 
what they're going through. What is their life? They're not thinking about the things that we're thinking about. They don't have the luxury to think about vacations and about, you know, Ben Asmanim and about graduate school. They're worrying day to day about how they're going to pay their bills and how they're going to be able to stay in their home. And when you have such a, a perception of poverty from the inside out, it completely, I think, changes our perspective of how generous we need to be. If not today, when we're, you know, buffering in yeshiva, we don't have money, and, but someday maybe the shmuz will kick in and we'll all, and if not for you, for me, and we'll be able to be more generous and more gracious than them when they come and not look at them like people that are like from a different caste system and a different, you know, they're beneath us and we don't, you know, we don't have to be nice to them and we can be mean to them. They're human beings that have real needs. The only difference between them and us is that we might have more money than they do. But that's it. They're fine, good, righteous people. They're just lacking. They just need our help. That's Rashi's Pshad and Esau, Imach. But the Chassam Seifer himself has a different Pshad on this Pasuk, of Esau, Imach. It's, it's sort of the same, but it's opposite. And he says Esau, Imach means not that you have to put yourself in the Aniim's shoes and pretend that you're an Ani and that will inspire you to treat the Ani properly. But as our ani imach means that you have to raise the level of the ani to be with you. You're not supposed to look at the ani as being down and okay, I'm going to give you and I'm in a position of you know you owe me now and you should be like kissing my boots the fact that I'm giving you money. As our ani imach, it has to be a different perception altogether. A person has to take that ani and elevate him. And make it as if Imach, you're with him. You need him. He's doing you a taiva by taking your money, treating him like royalty, thanking him for, for taking your nadava. That's the Chasam Seifer's pshat in Esaani Imach, and he quotes something from his Rebbe, from Ramardachai Benet, one of the great Kedailim of Europe, the Rebbe of the Chasam Seifer, one of the Rebbeim of the Chasam Seifer. He says that there's a Gemara in Kedushin that says, If a person says that this $100 is tzedakah, on the condition that my son has a refuah, if a person has Rachman al-Tzan, his son who's ill, and he says, Is that good or bad? The Gemara says, Harezet Tzadik Amur. He's a Tzadik Amur. The person that, that's not considered a mitzvah shloy lishma, it's not considered tzedakah shloy lishma, it's a good tzedakah. I think the Gra changes it from Harezet Tzadik Amur to Harezet Tzedakah Gemura. But that's a good tzedakah. You know, even if you give it on a t'nai, it's fine. Zakir Mordechai Benet. That's you know what the Gemara is talking about? The Gemara is talking about that a person wants to go to a to a, a, a person wants to give money to an ani, and the ani is a chashav and you don't have a way of 
giving it to him in a respectable manner. How do you go? Let's say there's a big Tamachacham who you know he really needs money. But he's not going to take your money. He's too proud to take charity. He doesn't want to take tzedakah. So how am I going to get the money to him in a respectful way, in a way that he could save face? That's what the Gemara is talking about. So you know what you do? You say to him, Sell azu. You go to this onion and you say, listen, this is not tzedakah. This is purely because I need my son to have a refush I want my son to get a bracha from you. And if you give him a bracha, I'm going to give this, this to you. This is your payment for giving him a bracha so that he should be, he should be well, he should be healthy. That's a tzadik gomer. That's the right way to give tzedakah. Esa ani imach, you have to take the ani and lift him up higher than you, and make him feel good about taking the tzedakah, and figure out ingenious plots and ways to be able to give him the money, and make him feel that it's not tzedakah. That's the art of tzedakah. Tzedakah is not throwing you know, money at him, and saying, here, take your tzedakah money, and giving it like begrudgingly. A person has to give tzedakah in ways that the ani feels like he's doing you a type that's the way to give tzedakah. Reza tzadik amur. That's esa ani imach. You have to take the ani and make him on the same level as you are. Imach. There's a story I once saw about a certain Abraham in Kailo. And he needed money. He was... He's in Kailo. Kailo generally do not pay too well. And he had a growing family. And everybody knew that he was very, very in desperate need of funds. He didn't have a rich father-in-law. He didn't have a rich father. He didn't have a rich uncle. He, him and his dedicated wife were mamish, meisir, nevish, retira. And every day, day in and day out, was a struggle for them. But yet, he was a masman. He was able to keep learning. And his wife was happy. And everything was going well. But they were in desperate needs of, of funds. And people were trying to offer money and to stip him money. He wouldn't take. He was very proud. So there was one do-gooder in the Kylo, another Kylo guy that was apparently a little bit more affluent than he was, and he figured out a way to get money to him. What did he do? He went over to him in the middle of Seder, and he said, I apologize for disturbing your Seder, but it, you have to just tell me yes or no. He says, there is a, an opportunity. I went to the Makolet, I went to the, to the grocery store, and the guy told me that there was a, a delivery of canned fish. And, you know, the fish is fine. It's, it's, it's not old, it's not stale, everything is good. There's only one problem. The truck somehow, like the box, fell out of the truck, and all the cans are banged up. And so... You know, he won. No women are going to come into the store and buy those cans because they look like they're damaged, but it's really fine. So he says, instead of like $6 a can, it's only like a dollar per can. And I could buy you a whole case of them. It's not much like cheap. Do you want it? There's nothing wrong with you. You just have to open up the cans. Do you want it or not? He says, sure, get me a case of them. So he says, fine. So he runs out and he goes to the Makolet and he buys a case of a whole you know, case that could last the family for like a month of this canned fish. And it was perfectly fine. He paid full price. 
he took it home and he told his kids, get out the hammers. And they took these cans and they started banging up the cans, these brand new cans of fish. They banged them up one after another and ripped off the labels and then delivered it to this family and charged the mamish nothing for it. That's Esau Ani'imah. That's a way that a person has to use his mind to figure out how to be a Balchesed. The ultimate way to be a Balchesed is not to do it like to treat the Ani like a Shmata, like we see so often. So many times you go to shuls, in the neighborhood even, and there, there are Aniim that come in and people are screaming at them, you can't come in during davening, you can't come in during laning, you can't come after davening, and you know, you're a bum, and you're like... These are human beings. What did they do wrong? They need money. That's the only thing they did wrong. They need money. What would the guy screaming, what would he do if he didn't have money? He would be very polite and what would he do? His family needs money. Instead of treating an ani like a shmata, you're supposed to treat him like a king and to figure out ways of bringing him up to your level and making him feel like a mensch. That's what the tyrant wants from us. The tyrant does not want us to look at aniim like an underclass. And like subhuman, they're not subhuman, they're just, they're asking for something that's a basic human need. They're our brothers, and they need our help. And we have to have an open heart, we can't be callous. That's what the Torah is telling us in this parasha. That, you have to treat them like human beings, but more than human beings. Treat them like they're greater than you, because they are greater in certain ways. The mitzvah of tzedakah is something that you have to treat the Ani like he's a chetzah shal mitzvah. This is not me talking to Beis HaLevi. If you want to look it up, it's in Parshas Truma. The end of Parshas Truma, the Beis HaLevi says like this, At a time that you give money for tzedakah to an Ani, you're giving, you're doing a mitzvah at that point. It's a mitzvah tzedakah. The Yaikama Mitzvah say there's other mitzvahs assays that you're doing, Mechzakta by Azahani U Mamish Kamai Bechinas Esrig. When you take an Esrig, you have your Esrig, right? What'd you do to get the Esrig? You went to the store between, let's say, between Yom Kippur and Sukkis, and you spent a lot of money, you searched all over town to find that perfect Esrig, and you gave, you know, a lot of money. What do you do? You keep it in a nice silver esrog box and you bring it to shul and you're proud of it and you're holding it in your hand and it's like, beautiful. He says, the ani, when he's by your door and, or he's in front of you, right now you have an opportunity to be mekayim a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah no different than the mitzvah of esrog. Are you treating him like your esrog? Are you treating him like, like he's a... Like, He's a treasure. You're putting him in a, in a real silver esrog box and you're holding him up and you're making him feel good about himself. You're treating him like a shmata. He says, at the time that you're taking the ani in your hand, he's like an esrog. It might be the esrog after you put it down. It's no longer important to you. It's not part of your life anymore. But when you're taking the Esrug in your hand and as a Kedusha, as a Mitzvah, there's an aura of Kedusha around and you have to treat it special. And we do treat our Esrug special. 
V'yasr v'anav v'tashmashal chayel. So too it is when you have an ani, you have to treat him special. This is your mitzvah. This is your esrog now. You treat him like an esrog. You treat him like you don't want the pitim to fall off him. You want him to maintain his dignity. You don't want to be mevazim. You want to treat him like a beautiful creature, which he is. We have to maintain human dignity when treating other people, even if they're aniyim. We have to treat them special. We have to allow them to walk away feeling better about themselves when they came to us. That's our job. He says, just like you're not allowed to be mevazah and esrog, you're not allowed to be mevazah and ani. He says that it's an isr dairaisa. When people go and scream in aniyim, you're mamish over isurim dairaisa. By my ofrof, I'll never forget, my parents made me a beautiful ofrof uh, in Long Beach, and I had all my friends there, and there was, uh, you know, we made beautiful kiddush and a suda, and um, in the middle of the suda, on Shabbos day, um, there was somebody that walked into the room of the, the social hall in the shul, person that I never saw before. He was an Ani Mamisha, a real Ani. And he was wearing torn clothes. I never saw him in Long Beach before in my life. He was a, I remember exactly what he looked like. He was a, a redhead. He had a, a red beard. And, and my mother was a big tzaddikis. Went over to him and spoke to him. And, you know, he had no place to eat. He had no place to stay. So my mother could have done what I think most people would do, and like, you know, if, if, you know, find, like, give him a plate of chon and let him eat it, like, somewhere outside. My mother didn't do that. She took this honey, and she brought him to my table, to the chassan's table, with my, all my friends were sitting around the table, and she moved over, like, uh, my best friend to another seat, and she put him right next to me. And I'll tell you, the honest truth is that he did not smell too good. And it was very, very uncomfortable to sit next to him. But he felt like a million dollars. He felt like he was mamish sitting next to the chassan by his offer. I don't think he ever had an offer. I don't think he was ever a chassan. I don't think he ever got any covenant in his life. My mother made sure to be mashiv and amukaymai. Esohani imach. She didn't just stop put him out in the hallway and let him eat there. She put him in the mukim of the Kisei HaKavid. And he felt so good. He was beaming. And I think that if I had any Hatzlacha since the day that I got married, and I was Zaychet to raise a Mishpacha with nice children, it's all in this chos that my mother put him there. That I was able to sit next to an Ani by my Afraf and feel and smell what he was going through. And make him feel like a man. And that's the schus, I believe, that if I have anything for my marriage, it's that. That's what a, a yid is supposed to do. We're supposed to have a, a new eyes, a new set of eyes, because we grow up and we get very jaded about Aniyim, and we hear so much, oh, these guys are fakers, and they're going from shul to shul, and, they're, you know, and they, they should get a job, and they should do this, and they're able-bodied, and we have so much Lashon Hara against Aniyim, 
And all this Lashonara has been fabricated just to make people feel like that they don't have to give. And they don't have to feel like bad for anybody. Because we don't like having to be exposed to, you know, feelings of, you know, that, of guilt and, and, and that we, we, we have to give other people. Many people naturally would rather not give and not open the door. And so we develop a lot of reasons. Some of them are legitimate. I'm not saying that every ani is, 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 is legitimate. And I'm not saying that you should necessarily open your door to every person that knocks on the door because sometimes it's dangerous. And you have to know these things. And I'm not, you know, I'm not here to, to pass in one way or another. And you have to do it on a case-by-case basis and you know, depending on the situation. But I'm just speaking in general terms. In general terms, when you have an ani by your door, the Beis HaLevi tells you that you have to treat him like your esrit. He's a, it's a mitzvah. After he closed the door, he goes back to being a regular person. But when he's in front of you, and you have an opportunity to treat him like a mensch, you have to make sure to treat him like a mensch. It's your mitzvah, and it's an iser to be of the mitzvah. They say about Chaim Brisker, he was a tremendous guy. And people know Chaim Brisker for being a guy in Eilam, right? He was the brilliant mind of his, of his time. But what they say is that his sidkus eclipsed his gainus. People speak about his gainus, but his sidkus really was greater than his gainus. They say the opposite about the Chavitz Chaim. Everybody knows the Chavitz Chaim from being a tzaddik. And you think, oh, he is like a nice man who was like a really good Jew, like with a great heart. But his gainus really eclipsed his sidkus. He was a greater gain than he was a tzaddik. He was the Baal and he wrote the Likute Alochis, and he wrote the, the Shmiris Alosha, and he wrote the Avas Chesed. He wrote tremendous farim. He was a Gain Eilam. Everyone knows about his Sitkos, but his, his Gainus was greater than his Sitkos, and Rechaim Brisker's Sitkos was greater than his Gainus. And the story goes that in Rechaim Brisker's house, his house was basically not a house. His house was like a, like a homeless shelter. And every single, you know, Ani, every Nitzrach came and just slept on couches and beds, wherever they, it was like after a in his house. And I think Rav Salvechik told me once that, that his uncle, Rav Yashuber, didn't really like God. Everyone thinks like he was a grandson of the, uh, Rav Chaim, and you know, he didn't like going to visit Rav Chaim. He says because he was like uncomfortable. Because there were so many Anim in the house, and the house reeked, and it was like very uncomfortable to be there. Because it was such an open home. For Rav Chaim had a heart of gold, and he couldn't turn anyone away, and the door was open. They say that he asked they asked once of Chaim, like, why do you even have a door on your house? So you don't need a door. The door is constantly open. Well, you don't need a door. The door is always open. Everybody's swinging in and out, in and out. He says, you're right, I don't need a door. The only reason why I need a door is because the Rambam Paskins that uh, a Dela shame by, uh, that a, a Pesach shame by Dela is not Chaim and Mezuzah. So, so in order to be Chaim and Mezuzah, I put a door up. But I really don't need a door. The door is just like a Matthew from Mezuzah. I heard once that Aniam used to like take things out of the house. The Hefker belts. And Mamish like, so they'd borrow Svarim and they would never return them. Like people were, so I think one of the Briskerov's sons, you know, used to say that, says, you know, it would bother them a lot that people would take Svarim off the shelves and like just walk out of the house with them. And it was like, whether they saw it or ever again or not, it didn't matter to her. And they went to her father and said, it's enough. Like why are we, you know, you're entitled to have Svarim. No. Nope. Says for Klal Yisrael, 
they want to take the Svarim Halavai, they should learn. So he said, okay, so they never did anything. He says, but one day we came into the house and we had to put our foot down because we saw two guys schlepping out the Svarim Shrank. The whole bookcase they were taking out of the house. At that point, that was already too much. Berb Chaim was so mocked about the covet of Aniyim. As much of a guy as he was, he was a tzaddik. He was somebody that understood. He had a heart that was Levi Levad Kol Yisrael. And we have to maintain that. It's not enough to be a Tamil Chacham. It's not enough to learn and to steig. That's obviously paramount importance. But if what we're doing is learning and our hearts are not open to Aniyim and we're not sensitive to the plights of others, then it's really not worth too much. Because we don't have the Jewish heart that the Rabbi Yishalom wants us to have. We have to have a heart that's sensitive, that's warm, that's open, that allows people to feel comfortable around us and not standoffish and not snobbish, if you will. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be warm, open, loving Jews. Remember once I, um, there was an honey that came into the house and, you know, it was uh, all the constellations were aligned. Everything was, it was a good night and I, you know, I was in a good mood so I, I invited him in and he was really very hungry and I gave him, my, my wife made him like a delicious sandwich and he ate and, you know, the kids were like sitting on his lap and... Uh, this doesn't happen very often. Don't, don't, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. But it was just, it happened to be like a, one of those nights that everything was good. And, and he couldn't get over like feeling like a mensch. Like he walked out of the house like he felt so good. And he said, I want, you to, tell, I want, I want to tell you something. He says, I go all over the world and, you know, to collect money for my family and for other poor families says, and most people are not so nice to me. He says, and I once went to Gavir's house, and I said to him, you know, we're collecting for money or whatever, so he says, I give all of my meister money to my rabbi, and I, I give my rabbi discretionary funds, you know, he could spend it, whichever, whichever worthy tzedakah he, he wants to give it to, he could give it to, that's his prerogative, but I don't give any money on myself. You want to go to my rabbi, here's his address, and that's it. So I, I looked at him like in a disappointed way. He says, did I say anything wrong? Am I doing, I gave my mice and money to my rabbi. He's taking care of it. I did my mitzvah tzedakah. So he said, I told him that you're right. He says, the mitzvah of tzedakah you accomplished. But the mitzvah of chinuch you fell short in. Your children will never see how you treat an army. They'll never see it because you, you've outsourced your tzedakah. They won't see how you have an open heart and an open home to allow Anim to feel comfortable in. He says to me that you did that with me. And you did it with your children. You showed your children how it is to treat Anani. And I'm not saying that I deserve a trophy for it. It's a very rare occurrence that I actually, you know, have the ability to do that. But more than an Ani wants your money, an Ani needs to feel like a human being. It's better to give half of what you're going to give and give it with a smile and make the person feel good about themselves when they walk out than to give a lot, but to give it begrudgingly.
The Rambam writes, it's actually a Mechaber in Shulchan Aruch, Tzorach Litein HaTzedakah B'Sever Panim Yafes, in Yeridea Beish Mem Tes, you have to give Tzedakah B'Sever Panim Yafes, with a nice smile, B'Simcha V'Tov Leibov, He says, and you have to take an interest and, and feel some compassion with an ani in his sar, and speak in a nice way to him. Speak like, I'm sorry that you're going through this, and things will be better, and things in Mirza Hashem will turn around for you, and make him feel good. And if, let's say, you give it, but you throw it out and you say, you know what, here's your money and get away from me. You give a million dollars to the honey, it doesn't matter, you lost all your system. The mitzvah of tzedakah is not really the money that we're doing. We think it's all about money. Everything's about money in this world. It's not about money. Yes, the mitzvah of tzedakah involves giving money, but that's only part of the mitzvah. The main part of the mitzvah, perhaps, is the way that you give that money. And the way that you make the ani feel, he's not only an ani financially, he's an ani emotionally. He's an ani in so many ways. Socially, he's lacking. Imagine coming home at night and his wife asks, no, did you make any money? He has to look at her and say, no, I, I only made $3.55. Imagine what he must be going through when he comes home at night and the children are waiting because they need to know if they're going to be able to to get into yeshiva, to pay the Lima this year. There are stories that are told, people, you know, you only are allowed to come into class if you have, like, a, kids have to bring in a certain, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's like, a, you know, they, they send out cards when you pay your tuition, or, you, you know, you settle with the office, then they give you, if you come to school and you don't have that card to show, they send you home. And it sounds very cold, but that's what they do. Why do these poor children have to suffer? Do you ever think about how you would feel if you were that child or if you were the parent of that child and you have to look at your child coming home crying because they weren't allowed to stay in yeshiva that day? This is what people that are anim go through. And Rahman al-Sanif, if we're not sensitive to it, it could be us. You know, we're coming, Baruch Hashem, into the days of, of Adar, Adar Rishon, Adar Shani. We have two months of Adar. It might not be the first month, might not be the Purim Adar this year, but it's still a very special time of year. <clears throat> and it's to die to talk of for a few minutes as we're about to enter Adar, you know, what the mo- motif of Adar is. And I think, you know, judging just purely without knowing anything, if you were a complete Amaris, you knew nothing about nothing, but you were just observing growing up as a child or living in a community, and you would be asked, like, what a person has to spend more money on, on Purim. Should they allocate, let's have, uh, I don't know, $500 set aside for Purim. How would you break up that $500, you know, Shalachmanis versus Matanis Levyayim? I think most people, you know, would say, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta go and buy, like, you know, a 
few cases of wine for the Shalach Manas. And then Pashti Sandy, and you gotta find the theme, and you gotta, you know, black and white cookies, and the this, and the that, and, 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 you know, you spend like $380 on Shalach Manas, and if you're lucky, you know, $120 will go to the Amin for Matanis again. That's the way I think people do. I mean, you spend, people spend, I'm just, you know, low-blowing it. People in, in certain affluent communities could spend thousands of dollars on these shalach manas with schnapps in it and this and that, crazy amounts of things. And the Rambam says, in Hilchus Megillah, Perak Beis Halacha Yudzayin, Shemutav la'adam harbeis matanis la'vyaynim. It's better for a person to be marba in matanis la'vyaynim the Rambam says exactly the opposite. If a person has a choice between Matanis Lavyanim and Mishlayach Manes, a person should be marbe more to the Matanis Lavyanim column than the Mishlayach Manes column. Why? She'ein Shom Simcha Gedayla Umfuara, because there is no greater Simcha. El Usameach Levanim Yisaimim, Valmanes Vegerim. There is no greater simcha to a yid. If you have a Jewish heart and you're receptive to the words that we're saying today, you will understand, says the Rambam, that there is no greater simcha than to be a giver, than to be able to have the schos to give to Anim, to Misameach, the hearts of Anim that are so downtrodden and so desperate, and to change them and to make them happy, this is the greatest simcha that you can make for yourself. And Purim is a happy day, you want to be happy. The ultimate way of garnishing happiness is by bestowing upon Aniyin Matanis Lavyanim. This is what they're waiting for. The Gemara says in Megillah that Matanis, that Aniyim Shal Aniyim Nesuis Lamikra Megillah, the eyes of the Aniyim, they like can't wait for Mikra Megillah because that's one day of the year that people are generous. People, you know, they're, they go to the bank and they, they have money and they give out and Matanis Lavyanim is a very, very important part of the day. So Aniyim look forward to Purim. It's a day they could really cash in because they need the money. Pesach is around the corner and they look forward to Mikra Megill not because, you know, their kids are wearing costumes but because they feel that this is a day that they'll be able to make some really needed money. And to make them happy, says, should make us happy. He says, If a person makes merry the heart of these Nebuch people, such a person is you're like the Rabbi himself. Because the Pasuk says, That HaKadosh Baruch is the Ruach of Shvelem, he uplifts, he infuses life into the heart of the low people. And, and again, he, he revives the nefesh and the lave of people that are, that are poor and, and, and depressed. I once wanted to say, based on this Rambam, that that could be the shot in a, a Pasuk in Megillus Esther. Pasuk says, that a person is supposed to give umatanais umishloyach manais ish l'reyeyu umatanais l'avyaynim 
The Pasuk says you're supposed to send the Mishleach Manas. You're supposed to send Manas, meaning Shlach Manas, Ishlareu, a man to his friend, Umatanois Rabbeinim. And you're supposed to give gifts to the poor people. What word does it not say by the Matanas Rabbeinim that it says by Shalach Manas? By Shalach Manas says it calls you an Ish. You, you send food, Ish Lareu. By Matanis, I don't say Matanis Ish. Lavyainim. It says Matanis Lavyainim. The word Ish is conspicuously absent. And I think the Pshad is based on this Rambam. It says because if a person gives Mishleach Manis, you're a human being. You're doing a mitzvah, but you're human. You like giving, you like spending money on your friends and sending you know, baskets all over town. It's very good feeling. It's normal. It's human. But if you want to transcend being a human being, if you want to be, as the Rambam says, you're no longer an ish. You want to be higher than a human being. You want to climb out of your human mitzias and become that can only be accomplished one way. That can be accomplished by giving When a person is able to take the heart of an ani and make that ani happy, and feel good about himself, and give it in a way that's menshloch, then you're higher than an ish. As the Ram says, you're daimelashchina. That's our job in life. Our job in life is to be higher than regular human beings. Regular human beings are human. We're human with our, our, our miserliness, and our you know, lack of passion, lack of sensitivity towards others. We're in our own world, we're doing well, we're happy, Baruch Hashem. I don't have to worry about Yenim. Yeah, let Yenim do, you know, I worked hard for my money, let him get a job, let him do exactly what I did, let him go to college, let him go to graduate school. You know, not everybody could do that. Not everybody's able to have been brought up in a home and, and in an environment that they're able to come to land a dodge for men and get a good education, go to a graduate school or go into a, a field that they're able to earn a parnasa. Not everybody's able to do that. The Rabbi Shalom made Ashirim and then he made Aniyim. And the Aniyim are here in order to be Mezakia us, believe it or not. The Mendel Kaplan was one of the great Rosh Yeshivas in the Philadelphia Yeshiva. Just went there the other day with my son to visit. We were going on a, on a joyride down to Baltimore. On the way down, we went to, uh, we stopped off in, in Philly, and it's a very, very chashub yeshiva there. And anyway, back in the day, Remendel Kaplan was one of the Rosh Yeshivas, and he was tremendous. If you want to read a great biography, Arts Girl has a book about him called Remendel and His Wisdom. And he was a very unique human being in many different ways. He was a Tamachacha Mubak, he was a Chabrusa with a Rukhan Basiman. But when he was living in Philadelphia, so he had a Gaish neighbor. Her name was Mary, and she was very, very overweight. And one day it was snowing, and you know, maybe conditions were a little bit worse than it is today. Maybe a couple of days ago was weather conditions. And this Mary, every morning she had a minig, she would go you know, a few blocks away and she would eat at the local diner for breakfast. 
and Remendel was, you know, woke up to go to, to drive his car to yeshiva, and he sees that this Mary is coming out of her door, and she's like schlepping with all of her, you know, she's very, very heavy, and it was very hard for her to, to walk in the, in the snow without losing her balance, and he rolls down his window and he says, Mary, he says, come into my car, I'll drive you to the diner. This is a man who was a, a, a guy, one of the, the gainim of America, one of the tzaddikim of America. You can imagine he probably had other things to do that morning, you know, than to give somebody on his block a lift to a diner. But he did it. And then he, you know, he drove her a few blocks in the opposite direction, I think, of yeshiva, and, and he drops her off and she says, thank you so much, Rabbi, have a wonderful day, I really appreciate it, I can't thank you enough. Anyway, she eats there like Suda Shlema Melch you know, one course after another course after another course, and she comes out, and guess what? Remendel Kaplan is still sitting there in his car waiting for her to finish her breakfast so he could drive her back home. When Remendel was Nifter, his wife was visited by Mary. And he, she said, I want you to know something, Mrs. Kaplan. She says, your husband was not a human being. Your husband was an angel. Your husband was mamish a human being that has to make it his business to be daimelishchina. That is what we are all about. If you want to know in two words what our emphasis in life should be, it's to be daimelishchina. It's to not be a human being. If we're just happy being human like everybody else, like every other person in the world, and just be with the same, you know, bad leaders and bad personalities and only worrying and thinking about myself day and night, then that's not what we're here for. We might as well not have been born. What's the point? What, we, we, we came to this world just to eat and drink for 70 years and to die? HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent us here to be daimit to Him, to develop midas, to open up our hearts, to be passionate and compassionate, and to be sympathetic to the plights of people that are less fortunate than we. And there are millions of people in the world that are less fortunate than, than we. I'm not even talking about the aniyim outside. There are aniyim in this room. And I don't mean financial aniyim. I mean aniyim, people that need our help. They need our help in sheer. They need our help in learning. They need our help in college. They need our help with social issues, they don't have enough friends, they feel lonely, they go back to the dorm, they have no friends, they have no one to schmooze with. They need our help. They're on EM2. And our job in life is to be daim l'shchina. Even if you have your little clique, and you have your little chev, and you're doing really well in shir, well, good for you, but that's not enough. If you want to be a real ben and you want to be a real yid, and you want to be a real human being, you have to open up your eyes, and develop a new set of eyes and a new heart to be able to see beyond your little chevra and beyond all the lucky people that are spinning around in your orbit and look beyond that to the less fortunate people in the yeshiva, outside the yeshiva, in your home. And then we could be daimelashchina. That's what Purim is all about. That's what the Yimei Adar, the Yimei Purim is all about. To be able to be daimelashchina, to be marbeh, in Matanis more than a Mishlech Manasishwe, it's nice to send your little Shalach Manas packages to your close buddies and your Pasi and your friends. 
That's cool. But you know what's even cooler, says the Rambam, to find people that are not so cool and not so popular and not so lucky and to be able to share your time and your money and your resources and your friendship and your love with them. That's Purim. That is what Purim is. It's Daimlash that's good, then you're an ish. You want to get rid of the ish, you want to be higher than a regular human being, try Matanasav Yayim exercise. Share with you one final part, also from Mendel Kaplan. This is a part that rebellious say the Philadelphia Rosh Hashiva used to say, I think every year by Megillah. He would quote Remendel, who was a, a colleague of his. He was actually an employee of his. I think he was, Remendel was one of the Rabbeim in the Yeshiva under Rebellion. But Remendel Kaplan was, as we said, a very, very rare individual that really cared about people deeply. And he would always try to be Mechaya, the Ruach of other people. They say in the book how like, there was a, a very like, depressed carpenter that the yeshiva hired. Like there was a shack in the back of the, of the yeshiva campus where he would work on you know, building certain things for the yeshiva, whatever it is. Maybe it was tenders, maybe it was fixing pipes or whatever it was. But he used to have a workshop in the back of the yeshiva. And guys would find Remendel sitting there with this broken-hearted carpenter. I don't know if he was a yid or a guy, it really doesn't matter. Or it certainly didn't matter to Mendel. And he would sit there and talk to him about what he's doing and about his family and about just to be Mechaya Mason a little bit. And Mendel used to bring home people on Shabbos to eat by him. Aniyim, Shvelim, Nitkayim. And like I said before, sometimes Aniyim don't smell so good. Because they don't have a place to shower. They don't want to smell bad. They just don't have a shower and a bar of soap like we do. So Remendo invites his Aniyim to his house and one day his daughter said to him, Tati, she said, I can't stand it anymore. She says, I want a normal Shabbos. I want a normal Shabbos meal like all my other friends. I don't want to have smelly Aniyim sitting next to me that reek of urine and all the, the worst things in the world. I want to eat my chomach. It's very nice to hear it's out I can't handle it. Sir Mendel says, because you know, I understand what you're saying. He says, but you know, we're going to go up to Shemayim someday. And we're not going to smell so good either. We've got a lot of stuff on us. We've got a lot of luchluch on us as well. From a lifetime of Lashonara and Yerurim and Chataim and Avainais and Pshayim, we're going to come up there and we're going to smell no better than these guys. He says, do you want the Rabbi to say, get out, you smell? He says, so I'm taking them in and I'm being matured of them and I'm going to embrace them, I'm going to serve them and make them feel like a Manchester in the hope that someday when I come up to Shemayim, when you go up to Shemayim, the Rabbi Yisham will embrace us as well, despite all of our smells, and despite all of our imperfections. That's Esau Imach. And this is a bar that Rebellious used to say every year by Ni'ilah. 
Because this is how we have to change. Ni'ilah is a time of transformation. And Purim is Kiyemaki Purim. Purim is also a time to transform ourselves. And for us all, each and every one of us, to develop a different heart, a warm heart. Next time we see an Ani in the street, don't like just turn away and pretend you didn't see him. Or don't even give him a quarter and, like, and, and think he owes you a big Ashokaya. But thank him for allowing you to give him the tzedakah. Thank him. When you give an Ani money, say, thank you for taking my money. I know it's, I did a big mitzvah. Make him feel good. Wish him a good day. Say, I hope that you have a good Shabbos. Offer him something. Give him something. More than just the money. Whatever money it is, whether it's a lot or a little, give him yourself. Embrace him. Make him feel good. That's what Purim is all about. It's the time to allocate more of ourselves towards Matanis Labyan and the Mishlech Manasish To be Daimel Lashina involves looking beyond our Dalit of comfort, breaking out of our comfort zone of our people that we like, people that, that are cool, people that are popular, people that we, are, we, are, we feel like in our element with. Like the Chassam Sefer brought that miser out of his element into the cold. That's how we have to schlep ourselves out of our element into a little area that's a little new to us. And that's the area of being a Balchesed Amiti, by giving over ourselves, by loving somebody else, by taking in a stranger, by being Makari people that are not used to being loved. They didn't grow up with it, maybe. They're not as naturally popular as you are. So take them into your chavra, sit by them, sit with them on Shabbos. If they're sitting alone by a table on Shabbos Friday night, tonight we have a great opportunity. So in Shabbos, if you see a guy that's sitting alone that could use a little company, sit next to him. Talk to him, schmooze with him, ask him where he's from. This is the Mishpatim. These are the Mishpatim, Meshachatosim overriding all of the Mishpatim. It's a lot of technical details in this parasha. If we could take just this one aside, because really all Mishpatim are Ben Admal Chaveray. That's what Mishpatim are. It's working on Ben Admal Chaveray. How do I deal with you? How do I make you, if I'm a Mazik, or if you're a Mazik, me, how do we deal with each other? The ultimate way of dealing with each other is through these three words that Sa'ani Imach. You take another Yid and you make believe that you're him and he's you. And you embrace him and you try to come up with a way that you're both going to be Daimashina, that you can both be elevated. And you can both walk away from the relationship feeling enriched and feeling that you're better than you were a minute ago. should give us the to have Wave Chadash, a brand new heart, new eyes new perceptions, new vistas, to be able to see other people through a different light, not as people that are, you know, low and smelly and not right in it. They're yidin. They're people that are just like us, just they were not as blessed as we are. And if we're able to give of ourselves to them, that's the ultimate way of making them feel good and preserving our own dignity and being able to mitzah Hashem be greater greater until we're Mamish Daimel Shina and wonderful Shannon.